This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. John 8, verses 31 and 32. I'm going to read in the New Language uh, translation to your hearing, where it said, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So they're establishing the audience in this setting. He said, quote, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Do you see the condition there? If you, my God, there's a condition. We have to what? Remain. He didn't say if I make you remain. He said if you remain faithful to my teachings. He's not going to clock us across the head and make us do it. We have to make a decision to be made over. We have to choose to be chosen. Amen. Verse 32 says, Jesus goes on and says, and you will know the truth. See, once you remain faithful to his teachings, you become intimate in the knowledge of the truth because the Holy Ghost is being depended upon to be the revealer of God's truth. He has to break it down. He has to be the mama bird to your spiritual digestive system. Amen. He's going to, amen, give you from God. And uh, as the mama bird gives to the baby birds, they're there open mouth. My God, with a childlike faith, with expectancy, knowing that the good stuff is coming. And we believe that the Holy Ghost is going to give us the good stuff. And we're going to know it because we're going to feel the, amen, uh, eternal will of God being awakened in our being. And we'll know that we have been missing out. You're going to know it. You're going to know the truth. You're going to be intimate with it. You're going to live by it. You're going to have to now be nourished by it to sustain that essence. You will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. Because when we're born into this world, we're born bound. We are prisoners. We're on death row. We have to be awakened to the truth that we are on death row and that we are lost and in need of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is the ark of safety. If we ride his ride on into glory, we're going to be saved. We have to ride in it. We have to get in that ark. God shuts the door like he shut the door of the real ark in Noah's day. God will shut the door. Why? Because Jesus is the door. He knows how to open and close it. Amen. He will keep the devil out. And we do not want to invite the devil in. We have to, amen, go in clean into the Holy of Holies. God's going to ensure that. He's not letting you have access to the Holy of Holies unless you are thoroughly clean. My God, he's going to clean you up. Too many people don't want to wait for that process. And then they make utterances in their flesh as though they are already arrived in the Holy of Holies. Meanwhile, full of sin. It's in them and on them. Now, Jesus, amen, he deserves better from us. We have to learn to obey him. He did so much for us. And we have to become a preferred worker of holiness as opposed to a preferred worker of iniquity. We're lost and shaped in iniquity and in sin did our mothers conceive us. We're uh, babies of sin, sinful babies. But God wants to, amen, give us a new life. We have to be born again by his spirit. And uh, we should not marvel about that. We should, amen, give in to his spirit and allow him to breathe freshly upon us the breath of life. He's going to regenerate us and bring us on into the fold of Christ Jesus. And then uh, he's going to uh, break those shackles in that process. The, pro the, the shackles of sin, he's going to break them. There's a yoke of bondage. He has to what? Destroy and break that. The anointing destroys the yoke. Amen. We have to walk in it. That means he's in you. We have to walk in it. That means he's all around you too. And uh, he's in you. You're in him and he's in you. And he's surrounding you with a fence of protection. And you walk in that. When you're walking in that way, that means you have now decided to faithfully obey his teachings. So. When you're doing that, you are a disciple, not just a regular old everyday disciple because everybody's claiming that. Even the devil believes, but he is not what God would call us to be, a diligent believing disciple. Are you a, 
a, a diligent, believing disciple? What does God mean by diligent disciple? And uh, what does he mean by a diligent disciple maker? We want to look at the wisdom of that. We have to become his diligent, believing disciples before we can become diligent disciple makers. I want to share with you some wisdom regarding developing a discipleship ministry that reciprocates God's grace. Did God give us grace to be saved? Yes. But now he expects a reciprocation. Why? He's the gardener. He's the farmer. He's the husbandman, which is the farmer. He plants and he expects growth. He expects a harvest. He expects fruitfulness. So we have to develop a discipleship ministry that reciprocates God's grace, becoming fruitful. Amen. He wants us to mature in this, and this is one of the courses on the journey of our spiritual maturity series. And the Holy Ghost is asking that question. Are you a diligent, believing disciple? My God. You know, to be diligent is to persevere unto completion. You have to keep on keeping on. When I was in, younger in church, I wondered why the older people said, keep on keeping on. It sounded good, so I just copycatted them like a little baby. You copycat stuff the adults are saying. You don't necessarily know what it means. You could have, you could have the wrong show on. Or think you have the right show on and all of a sudden they slip in some word that's a little foul. My God, some people have accepted it. Some preachers are preaching using such foul language. And then your little baby hears it floating in the air and they catch it with their ear. And out it comes out of their mouth and they say the words. My God, and they don't know it's a bad word. And we have to teach them what are the good words and what are the bad words. There's good words out there floating around. Science proves that once a sound is made, it lingers on into infinity and it keeps on keeping on. But what sounds are we feasting upon with our spirit? What vision are we taking in? God expects us to eat right if we are to be his diligent, persevering type of disciple. Thank God. You have to believe in God. What does believe mean? When you truly believe in God and his word, I separated those because the Holy Ghost is like, no, let's separate that. They got to believe in me that I exist, right? And that I am a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. So he said, believe in God and believe in my word. See, uh, when the little baby birds are waiting for mama, they believe in that food coming from mama. That's like the word of God proceeding out of the mouth of God. And we believe in it. We know it's going to help us. But you can't believe in that stuff coming from the mouth of God unless you believe first in him. Amen. Thank God. So you got to believe in God and his word. Now, I mean, his real word, not the changed word that we have uh, that's been developing since the onset of the church. There has been counter sowings all along the way in church history. And we see the New Testament made as according to the epistles, explaining away how there have been of uh, some creeping in unawares, false teachers, false doctrines. Doctrines of devils, and it's propagated by a spirit from hell, and those are seducing spirits. They seduce you. They will. So we have to be diligent. The word of the day is diligence. Amen. To be diligent is to persevere unto completion. You have to go all the way to be completed. You can stop along the way and fall uncompleted, right, and then not be finished, but maturity, complete maturity is a finishing. God believes in finishing. Jesus said it on the cross. It, what is finished, my God. When God was done with creation, uh, then he vacated a little bit. He said, oh, it is finished. That was his, it is finished. My God, then the Sabbath came, my God. When you truly believe in God, you will be driven into action, holy action. We're born with some action, but most of it is the wrong 
action. It's based upon the premise of a wrong thesis, and we need a new purpose ever, amen, transformed by God's powerful finger. We have to be made over by that, amen, saving power of God. Belief is not a passive feeling, no. Believing is more than an intellectual acknowledgement that the Bible is true. A lot of people believe that the Bible has some truth in it, but that doesn't mean they are true believers. They haven't come all the way into being a true believer. They believe in bits and pieces, but God is not a bits and pieces God. He's all or nothing. Amen. Believing is also more than having confidence that the scriptures are divinely inspired. See, folks go up the ante into that realm, but that doesn't mean they have fully become believers. This is why we should not be perplexed when some, you know, unexpectedly turn back. They're not all the way in. To truly believe means to have faith that God is alive. And uh, we know God is alive because there's a conviction when you do something wrong, when you try to hide from all of us. Amen. We try to hide from one another. But we forgot. We forgot. You know, God is all seeing. God is alive. He sees all. He has an inescapable eye. Our little sneak in the dark is God's brightest light in the court of his eternal kingdom. And he sees it all. The Holy Ghost will remind us. He taps us on the shoulder and wakes us up to know that, yes, God is alive. And we must continue to trust him, not our feelings, not our flesh. We have to trust in him and be active about it. And uh, that takes a certain level of keenness. We have to know that God is keen on knowing us and that he is interested in us today. And the day we hear his voice, we shouldn't be hardening our heart, having a stiff neck. You know, we ought to hear what thus saith the Lord. In John six fifty seven in the NIV, as Jesus was presenting the doctrine of soteriology or salvation in a synagogue to a fairly large crowd of disciples, inclusive of the 12, they were in there too. He revealed the required prerequisite of true belief, which is a life of discipleship, saying to them, just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. You know, many people today, like so many people in the ancient world, claimed to be followers of Jesus. We claim today, some of us, but apparently, apparently, if you look at the, uh, the fruit of their life, some do not diligently believe as it is stated in Hebrews 10.39, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. That's um, the death spiritually uh, that you will experience when you uh, alienate yourself, separate yourself from the truth of God's word and will for your life. So uh, God does not want any, any to perish, right? But some people draw back unto that perishing stance. They think it's a good stance because everybody's dead. They feel like they're not a loser. But you're drawing back unto perdition, as Hebrews says. And here's the but. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul, that's who we ought to be. People that keep on keeping on. Believe until their soul is completely saved. It takes work for your soul to be completely saved. Thank God. God allows you to come on into his court. He puts the gavel down. Allow them to come on in. I'm rendering a verdict of not guilty. We prove ourselves guilty. God is calling us guiltless, but then we walk in guilt. But then we want to blame the truth teachers, calling them false teachers. You're making me feel bad. You shouldn't be teaching about sin. You're making me feel bad. But it's a red flag. Oh, we got to believe unto the saving of our soul. You can't believe unless you heard a word from God. How are you going to hear the word of God unless somebody is preaching and teaching the word of God? We have to keep on teaching and preaching regardless of the kicking and screaming of those who want to go unto perdition. The scriptures are divinely inspired. So if we believe 
Thank God. We have a confidence that the scriptures are what God said they are through his spirit, divinely inspired. We have to take the word like that. Not looking at the Bible like it's some kind of comic book, a TV guide, or some kind of science book or something, some regular book. But this book has an author who's yet alive and with you as you are reading it. Thank God. So to truly believe means to have faith that God is alive, is active, and is keenly interested in you today. We have to know that. We have to know the truth, not just know about it, but know it intimately. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. He is the word. He is the lamb. Amen. Thank God. The living bread, the living word. We have to know him. Thank God. It is he who revealed the required prerequisite of true belief. Thank God. He said this. His father sent him. How many times do we like Judas, though? betray the very living bread that will save and disciple us from earth into the eternal joy of heaven. Even the most religious, socially accepted thoughts and practices that are not directed by God are still considered what? Sinful in his sight. They are a rebellious blight. They are a stench in his nostrils according to his standard that is required, his required standard of holy faith. In other words, holy living. Hebrews eleven six in the King James Version says, but without that kind of faith, amen, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, not, not was, that he what? is because he's alive forever that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him while we're on this earth he still will be that is a rewarder when we get to heaven we could say he was a rewarder amen we're not in heaven yet we're on this earth we didn't pass from earth to glory so we have to say he is a rewarder of them there's a condition that diligently seek him Are you a diligent, believing disciple? Diligent seekers, in other words, diligent seekers of God are exclusively nourished by him. If you are a seeker, you are, amen, always nourished by him. And that's an exclusivity kind of thing. We don't, amen, go nipping over there across the way and and put God on a timeout. No, we shouldn't be doing that. See, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's a spiritual thing. Such such souls cannot live by natural bread alone, but by the bread, which is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God to feed our regenerated spirit. Has your spirit been regenerated, though? Thank God. Some have not, and they go around you know, talking the creed and the talk and have the look, but have not be, been regenerated by God's spirit. We need to get a better understanding of this prophetic word picture, bread. Bread is a concise processed product. Think about it. A lot of different ingredients, but God, amen, bakes it on down. We mix it on down, mix it together, mix it down, knead it together. Let it wait in a dark, heated place and puff up a little bit. Then it is baked together, then brought out, cooled, buttered and sliced. My God, it's ready now. Thank God it doesn't come out of the oven with separation of ingredients. Amen. But it is a concise processed product, isn't it? But there is a specificity in the recipe of God's fully developed and prescribed holy way. His bread is that way. When we eat of it, we know of how to think, walk, talk. Amen. Every step of that holy way is a stepping stone on the narrow way up the holy hill of God. Along that way, he cleans our hands and purifies our hearts. We oftentimes don't have the spiritual fortitude 
to endure such sound doctrine. We are oftentimes immersed in the deeds of the flesh, the innate fallen mindset, which um, is separated from God. God can teach each point of his specificity as we submit to him at his feet, the feet of the rabbi, Jesus, the teacher, amen, to take his yoke of discipleship. Jesus said he has a yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is what? Easy. Amen. Burdens what? Light. Because he's take, he's shouldering most of it. But we have to shoulder our part. We have to take his yoke of discipleship upon our, our shoulders. Complete consecration is a process subject to our submission to God. Think about that. Amen. So, as in science, we have that seesaw. Amen. One thing affecting the other. You see, we have to submit all the way to God. If we don't, we're going to teeter and totter and be halt between two opinions but didn't, amen, Moses cry out and the rest of the prophets, how long halt ye between two opinions? Elijah on the mount said, if you're going to serve God, serve ye him. If you're going to serve Baal, serve ye him. But people today, they want to, amen, uh, walk the walk of Baal while talking the talk of God. Got their hearts stayed on Baal and uh, their wardrobe stayed on God. But you could be a dressed up demon. Yes, you can. You can come out of the baptismal waters a wet demon if you don't have your heart right. Talk about yes, Lord, when you have not really submitted to the Lord. My God, and so many are saying that, but have not taken the yoke of discipleship responsibility upon their shoulders. There has to be a complete, a complete, I tell you, consecration. Consecrate me now, thou great Jehovah, with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost and dying. Amen. Draw me nearer. We have to draw nearer to God. As we draw near to him, he draws nigh to us. Amen. He, we take one step. He takes two. Thank God. God does more of the, of, the, of the traveling. Amen. He does more of the work. But we do have some traveling and some work to do. It's all about having a holy rendezvous with God, but it has to be a sustained holy rendezvous in the presence of his court. And you know about the Old Testament court, I hope. That's uh, where we make good use of God's laver. Amen. There has to be a washing. My God. We make good use of the bronze altar of sacrifice where there's going to be a burning of the dross, stuff we don't need. And that's going to help us to get into the Holy of Holies. All of these processes help us to get there. These lead to the Holy of Holies. God can keep us from falling in that process as we keep our minds, what? Stay on him. He does not raise mindless zombies, does he? But souls that volitionally dedicate themselves to God exclusively and the eternal will of his glory. Now, I'm going to lead you into completing your sermon worksheets. Six answers you need. Yes. Um, diligent believing disciples will mature to become diligent disciple makers. Amen. Developing a discipleship ministry that reciprocates God's grace. This is all about the development of personal evangelism. Number one, Jesus was the greatest disciple maker who ever lived on this earth. You know, he went from earth to glory. Thank God. And he's in the upper story. And we need not worry. He's coming back. Yes, he is. Now, how did Jesus begin his discipleship making ministry discipleship maker he was amen a disciple maker my god of disciple makers though jesus had many who followed him he chose only what 12 ordinary men with a mixture of backgrounds and personalities to be his disciples Jesus's entire ministry depended upon these men who would go on to start the Christian church. He began his discipleship ministry in prayer. That is the segue into number two. One of those 
days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as what? Apostles. Amen. In Luke 6, 12 and 13. So we see that Jesus did what? He prayed first. And then God instructed him as he prayed. Thank God. Uh, He was able to choose 12 of them as God had designated, not as he had a whim from out of his personality or his emotions, whatever. No, it was based on what God said. A lot of times we just want any and everybody. Yes, we should. But we ought to allow the Holy Ghost to speak to people, to change people, to transform people. Then they will want the holy mantle clothing when they come into the house of God. God said, if you don't change your clothes, you're none of his. You're going to be placed in outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. People don't want to change their spiritual clothes. They want to keep their secular humanistic worldview clothes on. But there has to be a change. God has to pick. People don't come to God unless he uh, calls them to come hither. Come on through. Come on my way. God calls people in. And if he's not calling them in, you could preach and teach and give them all kind of barbecues and dances on the block until you're blue in the face. They are not going to come. They're going to eat your barbecue and belch and keep on going. They're going to take your chicken dinners and your clothes and all of your backpacks and everything and keep on keeping on. They are not going to be changed by God. They're not going to be regenerated. By God's spirit. Yes, their cupboards are going to have a little bit more canned goods. Yes, their kids are going to have backpacks now. But they're on their way to hell. They need to be changed. Hallelujah. Just as it is in a moment in a twinkling of an eye of an eye by when, you know, when Christ comes back, there's going to be a moment, a twinkling of an eye, a transformation. God snaps his finger and folks come into the kingdom as they are regenerated by God's spirit. Their spirit becomes alive and they are transformed in their mind and they are given a new mind. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For new life. Let new life begin. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Thank God that brings us to number three. Jesus then, after that, amen, night in prayer and God feeding his heart, then he selected the men. His father told him to choose, for he only did what he saw his father doing. Jesus saw these men in prayer and then hand selected them from the multitudes. We have to let the Holy Ghost show us. Lord, send laborers into the harvest. These laborers have to be prayed up laborers. Amen. With the vision of the Holy Ghost. And they will be led by the Holy Ghost to go in into the harvest and pick out. Amen. Through the spirit. He's going to do it. God readies the harvest and he readies us and we go out and they're ready to be picked and we go on ahead and pick them. Amen. As the Holy Ghost directs. So look what Jesus did. He said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his what father doing. Look at Jesus. He was submitted. Sometimes we're not submitted. We go on out and do all kind of exploits as we say, quote unquote, in his name. But Jesus said, depart from me. I know you're not. You worker of iniquity. Hallelujah. We got to go where God sends us. Hallelujah. We got to go after we have been empowered by the grace and powerful presence of God in our life. Then we are commissioned to go. Don't go until then. So many went without being sent. My God. But God has to go. Amen. And, and make the ground ready. Plant the seeds and water and harvest comes. And then he sends the laborers on out. Thank God. This is all from John 5, verse 19. Jesus selected the men his father told him to choose. Amen. That's number three. Number four, Jesus focused his time in prayer, communion, and fellowship with his father. Then he selected his men. Prayer, communion, fellowship, selection. Those four in that order. Prayer first. 
communion second. You can't have a good communion unless you are in communion with God, if you know what I mean. You are in, amen, a right relationship, and you can communicate with God, and he's communicating to you. And you obey every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what a good communion is all about. Not just about eating some saltine crackers and drinking some Welch's grape juice. My God, there has to be a spiritual unity. Thank God. So in in prayer, you're all, you know, immersed in the presence of God and hearing him. Then you can worship him. That's the communion, the worship. Amen. You could put communion slash worship there. And fellowship with his father. You're in a right relationship with God. You have, amen, exclusively given yourself over to God to be fed exclusively by him. Thank God. So you have fellowship with the father. And then we're able to move in the auspices of God. God will show us how to do certain things, how to walk, amen, how to spend your money, everything. He'll show you the whole thing. But so many times we're in the flesh, we're, we're you know, strumming up all of these projects and uh, campaigns, and we're going about in our flesh. And we have gone out without the Holy Ghost. We can't wait for the Holy Ghost. He's too slow. Then we go on out and everybody around us is growing, growing, growing. And we have this covetousness. And then we go on out and do whatever, exceeding abundantly, you know, above what the little smaller churches can ask or think. We think we bigger and badder than somebody else. We want to look bigger and badder, sound bigger and badder. And the subculture pulls the heartstrings and we go on out and compel by whatever the culture is saying. And our subculture is saying, but we got to be moved by the Holy Ghost. Some of us are doing things we ought not be doing. They're good things, but God didn't say to do them. Amen. And we go on out well, in a bad timing. God didn't say do it yet. Maybe it's coming down the road, but not yet. Amen. We have to wait on our turn from the Lord. Amen. So prayer will help you to know about that communion, worshiping, you know, in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, fellowship, being in a right relationship. You can't just go to church and then live like hell the rest of the week. But you're in fellowship. Amen. It's like you're always in church. Amen. And then you're able to do what God says to do. That's how Jesus did it. See, this is paramount to fulfilling Jesus's model for making disciples. Sometimes we're living like hell and we want other folks to come in that are also going to live like hell. Then we'll have a hellish fellowship. My God, these aren't churches anymore. They're still calling them churches. Some got so carnal now they change it. We want to be woke. So now they call it a center. They want the best of both worlds. But I tell you, no, I'm in Jesus's church and that's all I'm going to call it. Amen. We could put some vernacular in the front. My God, but it better end up with church. Hallelujah. Anyhow, here's number five. Jesus chose a few in prayer. See, and prayer was his first priority as he continued to make them into lifelong disciples. People are not going to be made into lifelong disciples when they're feasting on finite fleshly fillers. Help me, Holy Ghost. He just gave me that right then. Hallelujah, anyhow. And we're going to build a church with these finite fleshly fillers, and we expect them to be lifelong disciples. That's not going to work. It's going to fizzle away in all fickleness. My God. It's a falsehood of fickleness, my God. It's going to fizzle away. It's going to burn up like dross burns up. And amen, it's going to just die. You see flowers bloom in the spring and then they're gone by summer. My God, they're going to just fizzle away like grass with us. They're going to fizzle away. But God wants us to have lifelong disciples. And that takes a long time sometimes. And we don't want to, amen, uh, be subject to that sound doctrine. That takes too long. But Jesus focused on a few and he did nothing without first having done what? Prayed. He prayed through and through. Let it be birthed in what? Prayer. Let the battle be won where? In prayer. Amen. We could see the vision of the souls being saved in what? Prayer. Not some video on YouTube, but in what? Prayer. Let God give the vision. People perish without a vision. But we have a vision. We have a television. No, baby, that's not the vision. Amen. The Holy Ghost got to give you the vision. Thank God. Through Jesus' vision 
uh, we can we can make it in. And he had an enormous vision. Thank God. But look, he only focused on just a what handful of men. In so doing, he demonstrated the power of small beginnings. You start with a little seed. Here it comes. Number six, y'all. He then told them another parable. Matthew 13, 31, 32. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Look how little that is. Very little. You need a microscope to see it almost. Which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. People are going to come all around and want to know of the hope that lies in these folk. And they, too, will then get the hope in them. And they, too, can be saved. And they could go out and help save somebody else. And it keeps on keeping on. Just like uh, horticulture, we see plants, seed-bearing plants. They are birthed. They grow. They flower. They produce seeds. They dispense of the seeds. The seeds... Amen. Plant it into the ground and then germinate, sprout, come up, grow. And they too become they too become seed bearing plants. Amen. We have to keep the faith wheel turning as we keep the prayer wheel turning. Amen. And others coming in to learn of the truth of God. We keep that cycle going. We have to get up and go out and talk. God will lead us. In what way to do that? It's not always going out two by two, knocking on every door. My God. And we're in a different day. You got to be wise. My God, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. God's going to lead you at your job. God's going to lead you in the marketplace. God's going to lead you on vacation. If we get the saints to stop wearing them strings on the beach, maybe somebody can be saved. Amen. Can't even find where the string went. Loose out of here. Get our mind right. We got to go out. Amen. Always ever abounding in the what? Word of God. Amen. We get out of the word when we get out of church and go on vacation. Forget about the word. But vacation shouldn't cause us to vacay from God. We can't get away from God's presence. Amen. We could think we could go in some hotel, motel, holiday inn, and God's not in there. No, he's in there. He see your fornication, and he smells the stench of it. My God, and the clamor of that atmosphere. My God, he doesn't want to hear it. He turns his head, and we sense in our spirit, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then we get all guilty and want to cry and come to the altar for a minute and then go back on vacation and start the cycle back over again. But there comes a time when we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that's by the washing of God's holy word. And we got to do it on a daily. If we stop doing it, if you stop fighting, you're going to start falling. I always say that. I know because I am the president of getting my mind off and then falling a little bit. And God said, I didn't tell you to look that way. Keep your eyes on me. Stop acting like Peter when he lost his heart. My God, Peter, my God, he, he has an infamous testimony at times. But thank God, you know, the Bible does not shy away from faults. God's got everything in the Bible. And just because I say holy Bible, that doesn't mean everything in there should be followed. Listen to me now. You're going to do like Delilah. Oh, Delilah's in there. It must be okay. It's in the holy Bible. Come on now. We're going to kill our brother because we're jealous of his offering. God didn't say do everything that's in the Bible. Do the right stuff that God said that is right. He's showing you examples of what's right and what's wrong. We're supposed to askew evil and cleave to that which is good. Hallelujah. Anyhow, the word doesn't hide our sin. It broadcasts it out. From Genesis to Revelation, we could see everybody draws, no matter what holes they had in them and everything. If they were good ones, good. If they were bad, God showed it all. And people expose themselves to the bright glory of God. We can't hide from God. Sooner or later, your sins will find you out. Hallelujah. Anyhow, thank God. 
our Lord Jesus focused on a few people and changed the world. Look at that. Thank God. He gave them the task of building his church. He spent the majority of his life ministry pouring into an obscure, seemingly insignificant uh, group of 12 people. Very unlikely, you know, different personalities. And it looks like, you know, they were a, a bunch of losers, were unlearned and such. As Lord, though, he knew the power of small beginnings of people having nothing in the Lord and saying yes to his will and God then providing what needs to be provided from heaven. Amen. And give them what they need. So they will have the power of seed time and harvest placed into their life. Amen. We can learn a lot. Amen. From this. What we learn is that bigger and, and, and much is not always better. In discipleship, it is better to do more with a few than to do a little with many. It is better to have a few very committed people than it is to have an army of mediocrity. Because mediocrity means you're lukewarm and what is God going to do? Spew you out. You're going to be thrown in outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? We have the wrong clothes on. When you come to Jesus, he gives you a new wardrobe in the spirit and he gives you a new anointing, new life, new mind, new amen way to step and walk and talk and think. He helps you to be new. It's not from a premise of a secular humanistic world, but it's from the biblical world view. Amen. The holy, unadulterated word of God. Take the good and the bad that God has shown in the word and learn what is acceptable unto God. And that is our what? Reasonable service. Hallelujah. So we are programmed to believe that the evidence of a successful ministry is how much, how big, and how many. Folks are always asking me, how many do you have? How many? How big? Ah, what's, what's, what's the square footage of your edifice? They're asking all kinds of questions. Where are you online? I don't see y'all. I don't see ya. You know, we, we turn to programs again and again. God does not want us doing that. These things create mechanically produced leaders. Uh, but uh, these these leaders are not necessarily prepared to stand, walk and engage in spiritual battle. You notice how there are not many people uh, being delivered. And it's it's against the protocol of our cute worship assemblies. We want a nice, you know, band, nice music, uh, smell good in there. People all look good, good clothes and cuteness. And the devil is uh, cutified and perfumed up. You come as you are and you stay as you are. But I tell you, if you stay as you are, you're going to go to hell as you are. God has to change us. Hallelujah. He has to come in and do a transforming work. We have to amen, accept the Lord, amen, and, uh, and when the guilt comes, it's a red flag by God's spirit, and it's uh, a godly sorrow that should lead to repentance if it's godly sorrow. We don't want folks to be adamantly angered in the flesh, because if you get angry in the flesh, that's a sinful anger. And people like storming out because they let the devil make them see things incorrectly. They're calling the good bad and the bad good. They're all topsy-turvy in their psyche. My God. And people aren't getting delivered the way they ought to. And we're uh, giving titles to leaders who are going to propagate such an environment where we just leave people alone. Don't preach so hard. Loosen up. People need to have fun. They work hard all week. They need to feel cozy on the weekend. And we need pep rally kind of services. And just strum up a shout. Let them pick them up and put them down and dance around uh, to the choreography of uh, the cheerleaders in the front. <laughs> 
the praise team my god and the preacher is the head cheerleader and they start low and down and slow and they they ever so uh slowly crescendo up towards using the art and science of preaching and then they go on up amen and uh the organists and everybody's following them and then they tune up and they start singing the song what god got for you come on and get your blessing oh you got a blessing in God. God needs all people, all colors and creeds to come on in. It doesn't matter how bad you are. God loves you. Come on in and get your blessing. Somebody look at your name and say, I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Meanwhile, they, they, they haven't, amen, decided to follow Jesus. They are Victoria's great secret, which is not much of a secret. My God, and uh, whoremongers and everybody all up in there, some of them in the pulpit and the choir. My God, the deacon board and uh, the church board. My God, my God, it's no wonder uh, there's not much good heart preaching in the Holy Ghost that's going to lead to folk getting delivered. You don't see folks having demons cast out. This morning I saw a young Christian female rapper she put online how she got delivered from a, a few demons and uh, saved and fasting and asking God, how come this and that keeps coming in my mind? The devil's trying to talk me into this, talk me into that. And uh, one of her friends says, you need to come to my church. They teach about being baptized and there's deliverance. And, and then she said, you know what? I think I'm missing that in my life. She went there. And uh, lo and behold, she was down in the front near the altar and they had towels spread out on the nice, pretty carpeted floor. And my God, and all kind of things were happening there. And they were calling the spirits out of her. And we could see her pupils of her eye going back in a, in, 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 and you could see the white of her eye. And she's screaming out that voice that doesn't sound like hers. And the demons were expelled. Amen. And now she's, amen, clean and her vessel's clean and she has the temple full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, not harboring on uh, the oppression of uh, demons and my God. And uh, she was released and he who the son sets free is what? Free indeed. And she testified about that. She said, folk don't think it's real. I put this up so folks will know it's real even though it's not one of her best cosmetic moments even though it's not one of her cutest worship moments she put it on up there she put an ugly deliverance up there and the altar is an ugly bloody place but we have cutified it got flowers on it all kind of fancy cloths on it but it's supposed to be a smelly ugly place it's a, a sacrifice place where there's blood on the altar and it's burnt my god we should see the soot of the burning we should see the work of the holy ghost delivering folk hallelujah is the church a place of deliverance or are we tolerating the secular humanistic culture and bringing it on, on in here so we could coddle folk on in they could be you know secular and religious at the same time and this is nothing new in the old testament they had gone so bad that they started having idols in the house of god the very house of god with baal all up in there ashtaroth all up in there my God, and there came reformers, my God, such as Josiah and them. They were reformers. They cleaned the house of God, cut down the idols, and amen, severed them and cut them all up and burned them down by the Kidron Valley. My God, and God cleansed his house. But then you see testimonies that some of the folks still had groves up in the mountains, and not everybody got delivered. As one parishioner once told me, everybody not saved. But I tell you, amen, God is calling that everybody be saved. He does not want any to perish. That, doesn't, that does not mean he wants everybody to feel good when they come to church. My God, you're going to come to church and the Holy Ghost is going to make you feel uncomfortable so that you are not comfortable in your sin, that you want to get rid of that thing. That young Christian rapper she wanted to get rid of them demons and the demons my god they didn't want to let her go and then they had her at the altar and she was crying out to her. we could hear a little voice say jesus i want to help him they called the demon out of her hallelujah do you love yourself to stay out of hellish places do you love yourself enough to stop listening to hellish music and looking at hellish movies lord oh we're feeding on the wrong stuff 
We put the Bible down and we pick up the clicker and we're going all through Netflix and Hulu. Oh my God. We're feasting on the wrong thing. But we left the divine bird from glory. He wants to help us to have everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But we don't want to feed on the holy thing of God. We want to go after whatever the flesh said is right. Whatever the world said is right. Whatever the devil said is right. Whatever the hellish church said is right. But I want to be a saved church. I want to be able to deliver folk from hell. First, I got to be a diligent, believing disciple. And that's what I am claiming to be today. A diligent, believing disciple. I don't want to believe unto perdition. Turn back after a little bit. And at the end, Jesus is going to separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tear. My God, which one are you? I don't want to be in the tear group, Lord. The weeds that look right, look like wheat, but they're really weeds. I don't want to look and sound like a sheep, but I'm really a snake and a goat. My God, help me, Lord. I want to be delivered. I want to be set free. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Come on and lift your hand. Let's stand before the Lord and call upon the Lord. While he may be found a day to rest on your feet, call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We need the critical first steps, saying yes to the Lord and seeking to lovingly obey him. We got to be encouraged, amen, to be the best disciples that we can possibly be for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My God, more importantly, let's be encouraged to become the best disciple makers that we possibly can for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. of the realm of agape christian church pray that the holy word of god has richly blessed your soul to send prayer requests use the contacts page of our website www.roagape.org we need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.